2: Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. Joining me in the studio is David Moore. Say hi, David. Hello, everyone. That was very lovely. And, and joining us from uh, lovely San Diego on another boondoggle, uh, the one and only Evan Grant. Hi, Evan.
0: How about them cowboys? <laughs>
2: We've already talked about the Cowboys. We're not going to let you do that. Never, you know.
0: Oh, come on! Isn't it part three of our Cowboys catastrophe series?
2: No, okay. no, it's not. It is a catastrophe. There's still eight more weeks the, to do that. Yeah, it's an eight-part <laughs> series. That's not three. It's part. a continuing series. Yeah. Uh, so, Evan, you're explain to everybody what you're doing out there in California. Uh,
0: well. Uh, the general managers meetings, Kevin, and I come to these every year and sit around and wait to speak with the general managers.
2: That's it? And? <laughs> that, that's,
0: that's, that's pretty much it, Kevin. That's your tease.
2: Oh, man. I I and just hear you selling at the Gary level, our boss, right now. So I'm going to go out there and just kind of sit around and wait to, to talk to people. How's that? How's that? And I'll spend you know thousands and thousands of dollars. That'll be great. Yeah. Okay, good. That so, great.
0: well, so, there's a lot of bitterness in, uh, about my travel coming out of you.
2: Well, it's because you're always going to something really fun. You're not. You're not going to. You know, uh, like I, I'm driving to College Station and Waco and Austin and places like that. And, and you're going to. You know, to places where they people live in huts and stuff like that. You know, it's just I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand why you get to do those kind of things.
0: Hut. This is San Diego.
2: Well, you know, they're very nice huts in San Diego. Surfing huts. Yeah, surfing Indeed. huts. There you go. Okay. So, so Evan, uh, the, the Rangers named their manager, uh, Monday, Chris Woodward, uh, third base coach of the Dodgers. Uh, and, uh, and I think that you liked him. It was just pointed out on Twitter because he has a hairdo like me and you.
0: Well, I like that. That's not why I like him. Um, I think that the Rangers uh, got themselves a manager um, that is a good blend of what they're trying to do in terms of development. Uh, They got themselves a guy who's got a lot of upside, who probably comes in a little bit raw because he hasn't had any type of managerial experience anywhere. Uh, they got themselves a guy from an organization that is forward thinking and, and really on the leading edge of the forward thinking uh, trend in baseball uh, in the Dodgers, uh, and they got themselves a guy who I think you know, if if you sat there and listened to him talk yesterday, there was there wasn't a whole lot of bravado, there wasn't a whole lot of bluster. It was. The tone of the whole press conference was pretty conversational and communicative. And that is where this team is trying to go with its management. they They want a open line of communication between players, And it's not so much about presence anymore as it is about I, I think presentation.
2: Everything you just said was a as a knock on Jeff Bannister.
0: I listen I think over the last couple of years uh the 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 banister personality is for lack of a better term it's heavy there is there's a lot of uh there was a lot of war analogies there was a lot of uh the use of we're going to build men and men and and a lot of that kind of stuff there was a lot of really um uh, kind of obscure uh, motivational quotes and I think that worked for a point in time but I think that those kinds of things if there's not if there's not something that resonates with the players and, and builds trust on a one-on-one basis I think that that kind of, of persona has a short has a shorter shelf life and I think that's what the Rangers found. I also think to some extent, you know, on on the Jeff Bannister thing, and I I don't want this to turn into a bash fest on Jeff Bannister, but I I think that he came in, he had a great first year as manager. I think he did have some impact on a team that had kind of gotten a little bit down on itself. But I I do think that to some extent the the success early on uh, led to Jeff kind of thinking... Or at least acting like, hey, I know what I'm doing here, and I've got all the answers. And I think that kind of carried over to the players and and created more and more of a divide between the manager and, and the players.
2: So, Chris Woodward, and I asked John Daniels this, uh, if he uh, – I said, so – which way do you lean on him as far as uh, the, you know he because John has now hired three first time managers, which i I think constitutes a trend. Um, and uh, he he's you know I said, so what is he more like? And he said, oh, uh, clearly, he's more like Ron Washington than he is, Jeff Bannister. You know, they were both third base coaches and uh, close to the action, excitable, you know, enthusiastic. I think those those were the things that won over. Not only the clubhouse for Ron Washington, but they won over fans as well. People enjoyed watching that. I know my family, my kids, when they're watching the games, and you see Ron down there, you know, in the dugout, uh, you know, bouncing his on his feet, you know, running, you know, moving his hands around, screaming, yelling. They like that, you know. They think that's kind of fun. I don't, you know, it's a little unusual. I don't know that uh, Chris Woodward is going to do that, uh, but I do think that he seems to be. A much more enthusiastic kind of guy, a little more energy driven than Jeff, and and uh, and you know, for lack of anything else to say about him, you know, you know, I think that's probably a good thing. My the the problem for me is is that uh, we really don't know. We don't have any idea what kind of manager he's going to be because he's never been one. Uh, And and secondly, I'm not sure how much difference it's going to make for this team. For the next one, two, maybe three seasons, because the Rangers aren't going to be very good, and there's there's not going to be a lot that he that he's going to be able to impact
0: anyway. Well, let me take a page from the Kevin Sherrington book um, as I wrote today. Oh, ho, ho, ho. See, it's okay for you to do that. Um, listen, this is not about hiring a manager. C- Kevin just mailed to me.
1: He wrote today. <laughs> <laughs> Question mark. Question I'm sorry, mark. go ahead.
0: Um, this is not about what Chris Woodward is going to be in 2019. This organization, John Daniels, said very early on yesterday in the press conference, and I think this is their their mantra going forward. This is an organization in a growth period. They're building a new stadium. They're building a new front office. They're building a new philosophy. And they're building a new manager. And, and I do think that that is a little bit of a different... Uh, take in terms of the hiring than it was with Ron Washington and and Jeff Bannister. I think when John hired Ron Washington, his first manager, he thought he had a chance to win in that first year. It didn't work out, and they went through a teardown. I think when he hired uh, Jeff Bannister, he thought there was still uh, a little bit of light left in the window, and as it turned out, there there was. Um, Right now, I think that there's there's the idea that there's a lot of work to be done here, and it's probably not a one-year, not a one-year project. And so you look for a manager, I think, in this regard, that is a a top prospect. And a lot of times with a top prospect, whether it's a player or or a manager, it takes a little bit of time to develop. They've got the luxury right now of giving Chris Woodward a year or two to kind of find his. Uh, find his rhythm as a manager, find things that, that really work for him. Again, I thought things that he said yesterday that were really important, I look forward to growing with these guys. If we grow together, we get buy-in from everybody. Uh, I, I think you express that to players. Uh, and, and the other thing he said was, look, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. And that's a very human thing. Uh, it's not very. It's not very often that coaches or managers say that, but it's not. It's a very human element that, hey, I don't have all the answers. Let's find them together. And I think that is is something that plays well for a team that is trying to build something that may come two or three years down the road.
2: Yeah, but it sounds like you're in a horror movie. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Or just, what you're I doing? I opened there. the
0: door to my room, Kevin. That's oh all my
2: I did. gosh! There's all kinds of things going on around you. You know, you just can't sit still. Sit freaking still and talk to us on the phone without wandering around, pushing the microphone away. My gosh, sit still.
0: Have you ever considered that you bore me?
2: <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Speaking of boring. All right, uh so let's stop talking about you. Uh and let's look, I am going to say this and and uh, and I have already been on record about this, but I I I to me the most interesting guy who got hired in this offseason is not Chris Woodward. It wouldn't have been anybody they would have hired as manager, at least anybody that John Daniels was going to hire because he was not going to hire a Mike Social, somebody like that with a really strong personality, a great track record, somebody who's going to push back and want to do things his own way. It, they, you know, the, the new breed of general managers want these, these young guys with, with little experience for a lot of reasons, uh, starting with the fact that, yeah, they, 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 are, they may be better communicators. They may be in better touch with these young players. Uh, that, that all may, may be true, but it also is true that, you know, they have no leverage. They can't, uh, they can't push back. They have to do what the, the front offices say, and let's not discount the fact that they're all cheaper as well. Uh, I believe that John, uh, that uh, Jeff Banister was making less than a million dollars. So these are all things that have to happen. What I want to talk about is Shiraz Raymond. How much impact is he? Have you have you gotten an idea of what he is going to do? What what actually he is going to do, and how much say he's going to have, and how much he's going to impact this organization?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's. Listen, yeah. I think that since Sad Levine left to go to the Twins. Um, there has been a void um, in the front office, and Shiraz builds that for the Rangers. He, he brings the. Um, uh, I think Matt Benola was very good as a as a rules and arbitration and interpretation guy. I think Shiraz also has that skill set. I think Shiraz draws from kind of the same background as that on a communicator um, and kind of a. Um, uh, a, a guy who can distill everybody's thoughts in the room and, and, and put them into a good summation. Um, I also think that, you know, this is a guy who comes with significant research and development background. Now, he's not going to run research and development. That's going to fall under Josh Boyd. Uh, but he will be significantly involved in it. And, you know, I. I Things could go in a lot of different ways, but we're also seeing something of a trend here in, in baseball um, of GMs eventually moving up into these president's roles and you want to keep some continuity. Uh, then an assistant moves into the title of, of GM. Uh, I think that the Shiraz going from an assistant GM role in Chicago where he was a little bit lower on the um, totem pole to the place he's at now you know, puts him in the line of succession, potentially. Uh, I don't know that that's the reason he was hired. I don't know, ultimately, that that's exactly what the Rangers are thinking. But, yeah, to, to answer your question, this guy's going to have a significant uh, impact. And I think, Kevin, all the moves like Shiraz Ray and whatever else the Rangers do in building out the front office Uh, the player development staff. They hired a new farm director in Matt Blood to give them an extra um, body at the top of the player development staff. The manager, the coaching staff, these are all foundation moves that the Rangers are making. And those are going to be more significant, I think, than any personnel moves that they make with the roster this year because this is an off-season of infrastructure. The idea for 2019 is get the right people in place, empower them, get everybody working together, and then make big leaps afterwards. Because you've got to – you know, the other thing that John talked about was aligning things, you know, and and things don't align right now. They don't have the pitching to compete in the big leagues. Uh, They may have to make uh, some moves eventually with guys who are further down the clock towards free agency um, to, to kind of reposition their team. Uh, and, and so, right now, the the, the idea is: hey, okay, maybe this team has fallen behind in how it did things. Let's fix that, and then we'll move forward from that from that base
1: Why? Why wasn't? Why weren't these infrastructure moves addressed earlier in John Daniels' tenure? If if, the, yeah, it if gotten, it's gotten a good question.
0: I, I yeah. I mean, I think that I think it's a great question. I think for. For a lot of reasons, you know, this team had success in in, in 2010, 11, 12, 13 were all 90-win seasons. Uh, They stepped back in 14 um, and had wins on the field. And I think that in some regards, maybe the Rangers were a little bit slow to acknowledge some of the changes that were taking place around them. And they were also a little bit insulated in in their front office thinking. Um, There wasn't a lot of... Uh, there weren't a lot of outside voices. The guys who were promoted had all been here, uh, and, and I think that at some point in time you have the kind of failure that the Rangers have had now for the last two years. It makes you react. Should they have been more proactive? I think in hindsight we can say yes, but I think the bottom line is they've had to react now to the idea that they've fallen behind some other club in how they've done – uh, how they've done some things on the front office and in, in development and research stuff. You
2: know, I, to David's point, uh, I, I think that uh, to me it seems like early on in John's tenure, you know, they uh, he, he made the big trade uh, with Atlanta, and that certainly jump started the farm system, and they got some things going. And then I think it just really kind of, uh, if you look at the rosters of those of the two World Series teams. A lot of those were, were were deals that he made, you know, bringing in Josh Hamilton and and, and a, a significant yeah, I, pieces I mean, like that, uh, you know. And, and but Kevin, that a,
0: was all, that was still scouting too. I mean, it was scouting and development, and that was where their their focus was. And I think that's still a key part. No, 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 I, no. I, I agree.
2: I, but, I, but but that's that's the deal that they the John was getting those things done, not getting the things done in the organization and laying, as you said, laying a foundation, uh, building something bigger. You know, with all of that, and I don't know how far the rest of baseball was ahead of the Rangers, but certainly, uh, for a young guy, you would think he would have uh, understood that more. But then again, you know, not a lot of experience in the, in the game, and and maybe not seeing all of that. So, I, so- uh, and
0: I don't know that these I don't know that these guys would ever acknowledge this openly. But you know, we do know that there is this great divide in baseball on the analytics, or scouting, and development side, and for so long. You fell on one side or, or, or the other of, of, the, uh, of the dividing line, and I think this team prided itself on being more scouting and development, not necessarily ignoring research and development, but not putting the kind of resources into it that other clubs did, and and so now they are realizing um, they are realizing kind of the uh, the consequences of that. This team didn't if you look at where you look at where analytical um, statistical analysis is right now, and where the idea of probability and the idea of research and development is we're talking about using it at scouting and and sports science levels, whereas I think the the public narrative has been really up until this year that it was just all about you know predicting results at the big league level and and, and those kinds of things. And clubs have gone much, much deeper than
2: that. Evan, we're getting close to the end here, but I want to ask you this. Uh, in many ways. Before, yeah, it is. <laughs> the end of the world as we know it. Uh, is that you have a pretty good relationship with, with Ray Davis, probably a better relationship than anybody else in the media. Um, he's very cl- uh, closed up, close to the vest, tight-lipped, whatever we want to call him. Uh what is it that Ray Davis likes about John Daniels
0: well I you know I you say I have a good relationship with Ray Davis I I, I, I see him I give a chance to say hello I um, I do get a chance to talk to him when I'm um, when he's around uh, but I he, he is a pretty private guy I think he's pretty shy actually when it comes to being in the spotlight and I think his His mode of operation here has been, I'm going to hire people that I think are good and I'm going to empower them. I don't think this is a guy who likes to fire people. Um, And we in Dallas are used to owners with big personalities and big presences and constantly commenting on the state of their coaching staff and their performance. And I think Ray's... Ray runs anti to that and in a lot of ways that's worked to the Rangers' favor is hey, I'm just going to stay out of the way I'm going to give you the money, you have a decision to make, you come to me I think he likes John's decision making process and I think Ray also sees, Kevin we can parse this up and there's a lot of things the Rangers have done wrong over the last couple years as we look in retrospect but I still think the biggest element in all this, this team had an eight year window of where it averaged basically ninety wins a year, went to five playoffs, and at some point in the cycle, unless you're willing to on an ownership level, go to payrolls like the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox, your ability to um overcome mistakes and your ability to make up for low drafting positions really comes to it comes to a head and you go through a down cycle. And I think Ray does realize that. And and so he trusts John. Now, I think you you pretty much said this. John's just hired his third manager. Um, the chances of him getting to hire a fourth uh, become much, much slimmer. Um, and, and so, yeah, the next three years are going to be huge. He's laid out a plan for for the rebirth of this organization. The, Ray, Davis is, Ray Davis and Neil Liebman are going to want to see um, – are going to want to see results. I think they're willing to go through the rebuild process to some extent, and, but I think they're going to want to see legitimate progress.
2: Yeah, and that's and that's going to be difficult uh, over the next couple of years because the team is not going to be very good, uh, and it's not going to be easy on the fans. It's not going to be easy on anybody. And, of course, you, know, you and I know that this has long been an issue. N- nobody likes a general manager. No fan likes a general manager. Any of them, uh, but they especially don't like a general manager that who won a war of attrition with a, a legend, you know. So that that's that's two strikes, or maybe that's even five or six strikes against uh, John Daniels right there. The and I and I and everything you said is right, you know, about uh, sustaining a winning you know organization. But there's no question about the fact that um, that this team should be. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have bottomed out as much as it has now. In my estimation, you, you can't make that mistake on Dylan Tate. Uh, we, when you had the fourth pick of the draft, you, you know, it, it, either you should have known, or you should have known more about Dylan Tate. Uh, you, you shouldn't have given up on him a year later, or you should have drafted right. Andrew Benintendi. So, you know, th- those are the kind of mistakes that you can't afford to make. And and I or think, if
0: you were going to go for a pitcher, you know Walker Buehler is sitting right there. Yeah, too, he was. So. so
2: those are the decisions that you know that people are going to remember. I do think that. No, John, I,
0: I, I I agree with this. I also would say this, and I think David can speak to this much more than than I can. But John Daniels has been here thirteen years now. When yeah. you're a GM, when you are in a position of authority and you're you're making personnel evaluations and decisions, the more time you spend with a club, the more skins you're going to have on the wall, but also the more uh, scars you're going to have. And fans tend to keep track of the scars. And I think this is a a position where film familiarity more often than anything breeds contempt rather than it does endear them. Because it's a bloodless position. You know, it's about making financial and personnel decisions. Uh, It's not about performance. Those are not the things that that matter to fans. And so I, I think that this is, this is where GMs kind of fall in, in, in the, uh, in the world of fandom.
2: All right. In the world of fandom, we're going to leave it there. It's time to get out here. Tommy is telling us we got to get out. Tommy's screaming at us right now. I turned off his microphone so he can't hear him. It's, it's, it's horrible what he's saying back there right now, but they're going to you have-, have
1: no control of my mic. <laughs>
2: But, uh, Evan, it's been fun talking to you. Have a good time out there, man. I know it's a struggle in a place like San Diego to find something fun to do, but you you have some fun out there while you're waiting on those GMs to come out of those meetings.
0: Look, I'm actually in Carlsbad, and if the, if the city has the word bad in it, you know it can't be a good place, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: right.
2: All right, Evan, thanks for being on with us, as always. We appreciate you when you can work us in.
0: Kevin, thanks for letting David ask the question.
1: <laughs> yeah. I had a really good response at the end, but he went on so long I couldn't get to yeah, it. Yeah, that's so right. That's a Maybe shocker. we'll pick it up next week. Next week.
2: That'll be great. So, uh, thanks for Evan and thanks for all of you for listening. We had also had a Cowboys podcast in which we discovered the dis- discussed the disaster that was Monday Night Football. Uh, I believe Troy Aikman has come out and is now calling for a total overhaul of the organization, <laughs>
1: which has been called for periodically throughout time. <laughs> yeah, over absolutely. the last 22 years. Like
2: that's going to happen. We all know nothing's <laughs> happening at the very top of that organization, nothing. It's only gonna start happening at the head coach level. That's the that's as yeah. high as you're gonna get in yep. that organization for change. So anyway, for all of us in here to everybody out there, thanks for coming. Make sure to listen to us. We'll be watching us on YouTube. Our, our numbers were up last week significantly. Tommy, i I I'm giving well, you, you all the credit so surprised. for surprised. Yeah, well,
1: I am surprised. But anyway, thanks everybody. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast.
0: Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow
2: us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast.
1: Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.